Hi, I'm Kristen. And I'm Mike. And we're lost in the Sunnydale Stacks. This is the Sunnydale Stacks, where every other week we immerse ourselves in the world of Sunnydale, California, and review two episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. This week, we're dusting off Angel and iRobot Eugene. So a theme that I am interested in with both of these episodes is the idea of technology in Buffy. In particular, the fact that it has no place in Buffy. So in Angel, it comes up because we're going to see gunplay for the first time, which feels so out of place Mm -hmm. and almost ridiculous. And it's not. Like, it should be a scary thing. These are deadly weapons. And on a normal day, if you pulled two guns on me, I would pee my pants. And you would think more vampires would use it, too. But in this world, they they don't. They're traditional in that sense. And everybody is. And the Mm -hmm. fact that, you know, Buffy uses these old-fashioned weapons. The vamps don't, you know, they either use old-fashioned weapons or just their teeth. So seeing these guns is jarring. And with the exception of the initiative, I feel Mm -hmm. that way every time I see a gun in the show. You put it next to a crossbow, and for some reason, I'm more scared of the crossbow. Well, there's something more primal about it, about like a, a an arrow or a knife or a quarterstaff even, than right. a gun is, is advanced in a way that makes it, although practically more scary, in a horror movie sense, it's not scary. You've never seen Michael Myers with a gun. It's not innately scary in that way of like being stabbed as being shot. Exactly. And then... So in obviously in iRobot Eugene, there's a lot of technology that mm-hmm. comes up. You know, the internet, chat rooms, the web in its earliest forms. I mean, that's silly on one hand because it's so dated at oh, this point. Boy. But even with that, just the idea of a a robot and just seems ridiculous. Which why should that seem? And here's this is why I think it's so confusing. Why should a robot seem more ridiculous than a vampire? If anything, a robot makes more sense. That's a real-world thing. We can create robots now. But it is one of those things where people don't like their genres to mix too much unless that's specifically what they're going to something for. It's why, like, a lot of the Marvel movies, they've shied away from any magical elements because everything's science in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, It's why people got mad at the fourth Indiana Jones film because it's like, aliens aren't the same as uh, uh, the Holy Grail, so I I can't accept it, which is is understandable because if you go to something for a specific style of... Uh, a specific genre, I should say, it makes sense that if you get something from a different genre, it doesn't work as well for you. Exactly. That's absolutely the way I feel. And it's interesting... The exception I make for this is fantastical technology. Mm. So some of the stuff when the trio comes in is so far out there and not part of the real world that it makes sense in the Buffy world. And it's also, it's mixed with the magic a lot, which I, yes. I think is really cool. The idea of that almost steampunky way, but not as annoying to me as steampunk way of mixing magic with advanced technology to make something that is more advanced than either could do on their own. Right. So again, going with this idea of real-world technology seeming ludicrous, Mm -hmm. it's in the same way that I find Moloch ludicrous. But for some reason, Warren's fake girlfriends, totally fine. Because that's never going to happen. Not a real thing. Doesn't even look like a robot. It's clearly just an actress Mm -hmm. moving in a weird way. 
It's interesting that the initiative does not do this for me, but that might be just because I hate them so much that it doesn't. And I think they're specifically designed the initiative as a counterpoint to the magic. It's like in the, in the Power Rangers world, to make a weird comparison, it's always seemed like either the villains were all technology and the Power Rangers were usually more on the magic side or vice versa. When they're opposing so drastically, it makes a lot more sense. It feels more organic than if it's just all of a sudden the vampires got advanced technology, which is why would you have that? Why would you not be using vampire things? You're a vampire. Exactly. And that actually, it makes sense, as you said, with them being on polar opposites, that Mm -hmm. almost feels like you're making a statement about the two things. Exactly. You're exploring the themes rather than just feeling kind of lazy about, well, this vampire needs to kill somebody, but he's not that good. Let's give him a gun. That's not nearly as as cool. I'm going to be talking about this a lot more come season seven. Mm. When all of a sudden everyone has a cell phone and a car, which again, realistic by this point in time, everyone should have the internet and cell phone and a car. But when I see Buffy behind the wheel or when they're talking to each other on their cell phones, I just hate it. Exactly. I need them to run across town to find each other. Yeah. In fact, the first episode, Angel would not work if they had cell phones. Absolutely not. It would, no. it would be the lamest episode where it's like, sorry about that. Boop, 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 LOL. It's interesting also, I keep, now my brain is just spiraling with thoughts of technology and Buffy, and The Judge is another one where I'm like, nope, totally makes sense, rocket launcher, got it. Yeah, and I think that, because that is almost played for a laugh, that works too. Absolutely, and the fact that they're leading up to it, the whole two-part episode about like, no army, no army can kill him, no no, army, took an army. Weapon by man forged can possibly defeat this villain. Right, and And you know that it's a puzzle that you've been working out the whole time. Now, let's head into the Sunnydale stacks and open the books on Angel. Angel is the seventh episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It opens with a very helpful previously on... Hmm. And then cuts to the anointed one tossing rocks into a pool of blood. Now, this is gross. And previously, you had had a problem with this pool of blood and the yeah. fact that it didn't look like blood. Do you think it looks like blood now? I, th- I think it's it's getting better, although I feel like it's, it's less scary to be skipping stones on it than it was to rise from a pool of blood. I That's disagree. Oh. I totally disagree. Because the second you have this innocent kid doing this cute, innocent thing mm. with this disgusting pool of blood, no. oh, it's so creepy on a different level. I get that. I get that. I don't know. I just, I guess the anointed one never really did it for me as like that creepy of a kid. I just felt like he was acting a little too creepy to be the innocent, but actually not innocent. He just seemed like an actual creepy kid to me, which isn't counterintuitively. That's not as creepy to me. (laughs) See, I think a creepy kid is creepier. (laughs) Probably makes a lot more sense, honestly, but uh, that's, uh, that's how my mind works with kids. The more innocent they are, but actually doing creepy things is creepier than acting creepy and doing creepy things. I I mean, I agree that this kid is the most effective when he's doing something that a normal kid would do just Mm. in a grotesque setting. Like holding hands with the master. Just even thinking about that that (laughs) shot makes me want to shudder. His hands are very clammy. Ew, they are. (laughs) So the master tells Darla that Buffy has killed too many of their number. Colin, 
I think this is the first time we find out the Anointed One's real name, yeah. Colin. Which also makes him not nearly as scary, calling yeah. him Colin. But you can't call him the Anointed One to his face. Yeah. He, it should have had a pet name, like Son, or yeah. My Boy, or Or, or just Scout. the I one. This is before The Matrix. It's not like the one was already taken. You could have said, hey, the one. No, that doesn't work. <laughs> nope. It's one-y? gotta be Buddy. Onesie? What do you do? But- What's going on? <laughs> onesie. <laughs> Come on, Onesie. Let's go kill Buffy. <laughs> So uh, Colin advises the master um, to annihilate her. So the master sends the three. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, at the bronze, the Scooby gang is celebrating the bronze's annual fumigation party. Oh, gross. And it's, I mean, it's supposed to be gross, but it really, really is. I don't know what they paid that actress to pick up the cockroach, the live cockroach with her bare hands. It wasn't enough money. I feel like that might have been like the cockroach wrangler just in a costume. Fair, yeah. Like that would make sense. Or the bartender, because the bartender looked real weird for the bronze. Because he was clearly a middle-aged man in a silver shirt with a porn stash. I actually think that fits the bronze, okay? <laughs> <laughs> that place is shady. Yeah. So, Buffy is lamenting to Willow about her lack of a love life and unrequited feelings for Angel. Enter Xander trying to pick up chicks on the dance floor. I kind of love this moment for Xander. Like, he pisses me off a lot in season one, but, I mean, when he's the butt of the joke, he does it well. And he's just so unattractive as he's dancing and then hits on a girl who's already taken, sees the boyfriend, and, and kind of flees and then steps on Cordy's foot. It's just such a comedy of errors for yeah. him. It's it's really quite quite hilarious. He plays the Zeppo very well when he's like mm-hmm. the lovable goofball, but then he's ruined it by having a way too bitchy line towards Cordy, mm. where he says, I don't know what everyone's talking about. That outfit doesn't make you look like a hooker. That's just too mean for Xander. Yeah, it's 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 a little too mean. And I could understand if what Cordy had said to him was more vicious, but it's yes. it seems actually pretty mild for a Cordy insult. She's usually like, oh, and your family's never going to love you. Something like of that yeah. level. But this was just kind of like, oh, I observed what happened, and I'm just saying what actually happened. Yeah, and you kind of deserve that comment that she made. Also, you just stepped on her foot. Yeah. So I'd have strong words for anyone that stepped on my foot as well. Mm-hmm. Although you do start to see a little bit of that uh, almost moonlighting chemistry where they're, they seem to hate each other, but maybe a little too much they hate each yeah, other. Yeah, it's, it's there's a little tension there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Buffy takes her mopiness home, but on the way she's attacked by the three, who as far as I can tell are just vamps dressed in armor that are better fighters than others. Okay, I have a lot of problems with the three. I'm glad they're out of the picture very soon. But the three are super conspicuous. You would automatically notice them, even if they weren't vamped out. Yeah. They're wearing medieval armor, just walking down the street in, granted it's nighttime, but pretty much broad daylight. And then uh, the other thing is that their fighting strategy, at least what, what we see, only works when they're attacking one person, because their strategy is grab the person by both arms and have the third person beat him up. Because they keep trying to do that, and then when Angel comes, they are immediately defeated. What I think is crazy about this is what I always remember about them is that in season three, when Faith asked Buffy who the biggest, baddest guy she ever fought was, Buffy says the three. Which by then, I've already forgotten they've existed. Like five minutes into this episode, I've forgotten they existed. So I always get in that moment that she doesn't want to talk about Angel, because that's clearly... Mm -hmm what Joss is going for in that moment. She's, you know, she thinks about Angel. It's too harsh for her. She doesn't want to bring it up. Why not just bring up the master? The master was a much bigger foe than the three. 
There's yeah, there's there's countless other enemies that she's fought that are much more terrifying than the three. The three were only a threat for like a minute. And then when they um, And then and then she's helped out by somebody and she doesn't even actually defeat them. They just go off and offer themselves to be killed. Yeah. That seems like a very weak uh, assertion there. There's a lot of buildup for very little payoff. And unlike in later on in the series, I'll do that with a really funny effect where it's there's this big, great big threat, and then Buffy's almost immediately takes care of it. But and that works really well when it's built up, and then you can tell it's very purposefully shrugged off, like somebody just gets pushed off a cliff. Right, and it's funny that way. Yeah, but this just seemed like, oh, these guys are really important, but she's just so cool that she also defeated them. But she didn't, really. She ran from them. And then they just get killed by somebody else. Yeah, I don't like it. So Angel comes to Buffy's rescue. We finally get to see him kick some ass, Mm -hmm. which immediately turns him into my good favor. Like, he's finally living up to this buildup we've got from him of he's this cool guy. Now he finally looks cool. Yeah, he's he up until this point he could just as easily have been a complete coward who has no skills in anything but just happens to know some stuff. This really puts him over the edge. And I like earlier in the episode she says uh, a quote about what Angel does. Hi, honey, you're in great danger. See you next month. And that's all he's been up to this point. Yes. So thankfully, he's finally at least doing something else. Yes. And I have to say, he looks hot while he's doing it. <laughs> and I love his line: "Good dubs don't bite." I love it. <laughs> You don't like it? It's it's uh, it's a little much for that character. I don't like it. I feel like like Buffy could get away with that. Or if Xander is about done something that cool, he could have gotten away with it. I'm not a big fan of Angel quips, I should say. Okay. So Angel is stabbed, and Buffy is able to save him right back, which I like that. That it's, it's not that mm-hmm. she's a damsel in distress and he comes to her rescue. He comes to her rescue, then she immediately comes to his. They run from the three, they get to Buffy's house, and she invites Angel inside. But it's so subtle. It's so yes, subtle yes. the way she does it. She's like, come on, come on, come in. And he yeah. runs inside. Again, I didn't see these episodes in order. I feel like if I did, I would not have noticed it. I would not have seen this coming. If I had seen it at the time or near at the time, I think I I might have, have been fooled by it. Although part of me thinks I'm just so... Looking for that kind of reveal in anything. That if yeah. there's a chance somebody's a vampire in a show that has vampires, I'm going to be looking for every clue. In this episode, they definitely do a lot of foreshadowing, which is pretty cool. But if you're really looking for it, I feel like it might get a little spoiled. They say stuff like, oh, he's dead. Oh, because he actually is dead because he's a vampire. Get it? I used to work at Starbucks, and one of my customers was a novelist. And he lent me his book. And every time he came in, I'd be like, this is the bad guy. No, this is the bad guy. Okay, here's my theory. This is what's going on. And he got so fed up. He's like, stop doing that. Yeah. He's like, why do you have to do that? I'm like, I do that with everything. I do that when I watch TV. Mm-hmm. I do that when I watch movies, when I read books. I have to guess what's going to happen. So I have a vampire nitpick here. The three are obviously not invited into Buffy's house. That's the whole purpose of them running in there. However, he's still able to, like, get his hand in the door and grab at her. And then two seconds later, they say, it's okay. They can't come in. Later on, when we see vampires trying to enter houses, none of them can get in. They can't reach their hand into the doorway. One theory I've seen online about this is that they are such powerful vampires that they're able to not fully but partially break the barrier rule. Again, I think that's a lot of the, well, we don't really have a justification, so we're going to make one up. We're going to retcon this justification later. Yeah, I don't buy it. (laughs) Because it's not like the effect of like, oh, I'm pushing through the force field. It's clearly like, oh, we didn't really establish the rules. We didn't notice this in this shot. It's fine. Yeah. 
Buffy needs to bandage up Angel's wound, which lucky for us means he gets to take his shirt off. Just as Angel admits to liking her, and his face is inches from hers, and he has this adorably flirty, flirty smile, and they're going to kiss, <laughs> Joyce comes home. Aww. This moment does this for me. By the way, just so our listeners are aware, I am a sucker, a sap, and a hopeless romantic. <laughs> so there's going to be lots of girly, squealy moments, because I love this moment. They're going to kiss, and it's so cute, and it's pretty hot, and they're so close to it. But nope, Joyce ruins it. Cockblocker. I, I guess this is how square I am. The thing that I liked more about that scene is how concerned Buffy was for her mom. That was oh, what was like super sweet to me. It is a cute moment. Where she's like, oh, there's all sorts of bad things out there that could get you. Uh, of course, not really saying what could get you is three vampires dressed like knights. Yes. So the three are gone, but Buffy has an older man in her house. <laughs> Buffy explains that Angel is a student at the community college and is tutoring her in history. Joyce doesn't seem to buy it, but she's pretty cool about it for a mom, where she's got yeah. that smile of like, great, well, he's got to mm. go home now. Yeah, that's that's pretty nice. Uh, although I do, later on in this scene, there's a line once, you know, Buffy kind of ushers out uh, Angel, but not really. There is a line that really creeps me out, where it's, I bet you look pretty when you go to sleep. And that com- almost completely ruins the scene, because it's a little too on the edge of grossness for me but you look pretty when you go to sleep just uh, something about that is not romantic to me nope no you're wrong here's why (laughs) first off the line is you even look pretty when you go to sleep Mm. because she's dressed for bed she's in frumpy pajamas and he's saying like oh gosh you're even you know you're pretty with your out your hair done and in pajamas and you're always pretty it's like when someone wakes up with bedhead and like oh you even wake up pretty I think it's a cute one. Just like the, the read on it to me was was creepy, uh, but I can understand not finding it creepy. So Angel tells Buffy that his family was killed by vampires. They go to sleep, or Buffy does. I assume Angel is literally lying there for eight hours, staring at the ceiling. That's why it's it's creepy that he's like, "I bet you're pretty when you go to sleep." I'm not going to be sleeping, so I'm just going to be sitting here watching you. You're even pretty when you go to sleep. He made the observation in the present. Okay. Still creeped out by it. The next day, Giles explains to the gang about the three and advises adding weapons to her training. I love this interaction between Willow and Giles where she says, you always know what's going on. I never know what's going on. (laughs) He says, well, you haven't been up from midnight till 6 a.m. researching it. Oh, no, I was sleeping. (laughs) I like that because, A, that like... Anybody wonders that why Giles immediately has the answer mm-hmm. to explain of like, no, he's up all night researching. Yeah, he's not just a pure deus ex machina. He's actually working for this and he's studied to be able to study and find out these things. And he puts a lot of effort into it. Plus, it kind of explains why a lot of the other Scoobies don't know everything because they would it would take a long time for them to find it out. Yes. And I I think this is a moment of the gang appreciating, wow, Giles works really hard at yeah. this. So the three, having failed, offer their lives to the master as penance. It's eh. all right. It's it's very much one of those scenes of the big bad killing one of his henchmen or through another henchman killing his henchman to show how badass he is. The only thing that I really think is anything worth note here, there is one line where like he says... It would be. It would bring me little joy to kill them, but then Darla kills them, and he says, "But sometimes little is enough." 
That's kind of a cool line, but other than that, there's nothing really that spectacular. And again, because the three haven't had any buildup. If they had been, That's like, why this bugs me, because it's yeah. just like, wait, we just met this guy. There's been all this, like, ooh, they're so scary, and now they're gone. What the hell is this episode? <laughs> yeah, and the fact that they're defeated by the fact that she ran into a house, they, they didn't even have a real fight. It was kind of, they started a fight, another guy came in, they were kind of beaten off for a little bit, and then they had a chase... And because the chase didn't immediately end in them winning, that was an overall defeat. It's and not then, like- so in their whole history of them existing as vampires, they've never lost one round of battle because yeah, they would. Nobody's ever run away. Yeah, that seems insane. Like try, try again, guys. It's okay. <laughs> you lost the battle. You might win the war. Although, due to their fighting strategy, apparently they've only ever gone after lone people before. So maybe this is this is a completely new thing. To have Two people. Person. What are we gonna do? I guess we gotta go kill ourselves. Ugh. But finally, Giles gives us some explanation as to why students don't come into the library. He puts a sign out that says the library is closed for filing. You know, it's flimsy, but I'm going to take it. It's, it's I will something. take it. It's a lot more than we've gotten so far. Yes. Where it's just, basically, we're supposed to assume, I guess, nobody wants to read in this town. They're all a bunch of illiterates. There was a curse. Sometimes with this show, I wonder, based on the next episode, I'm going to say that internet forums weren't a thing yet. But it almost seems like they were reading them and like, oh, we're going to react to this fan saying, Mm. wait a minute, why aren't there students in the library? Well, I think there was probably an early uh, amount of fandom to it. Because I know even with stuff like The X-Files, which came out a couple years before, they actually based things in the show from the online reaction. Just the thing is, there weren't that many people on it. There probably would have been maybe only 50 people on a forum as opposed to today where you might have hundreds and thousands of people making comments and looking at the forums. So Buffy kicks Giles' ass with the quarterstaff and graduated to the crossbow. Yay! I like that. I like when Giles is on the floor and he just, in a very pained voice, says, Let's move on to the crossbow. Pretty sweet. Buffy comes home to Angel, still in her bedroom. Why? Giles (laughs) says he knows the three will sacrifice themselves. Why didn't Angel leave once the sun went down? Also, Buffy doesn't know that he can't leave during the daytime. Yeah, that should have been a lot weirder for her than yes. he just stayed she in her room. She should have just all day. left when she went to school or left once Joyce left for work mm-hmm. and gone home. Yeah. I get that. I get he can't because he's a vampire, but Buffy doesn't know that. No, she, she doesn't know that. And he doesn't offer any sort of real explanation as to why he was hiding in her room all day. Yeah. I mean, again, at night, I get it. The three might still be out there. They know the three can't be out there during the day. Yeah, it's not like they were carrying umbrellas when they attacked her. It's clear that they're not going to come back. He should have at least come up with an excuse as to, like, why he didn't go out. Oh, I heard maybe the Master has guys that aren't vampires that sometimes kill people. Even, Even something as stupid as that would have been an explanation to make it not look like Buffy just didn't think about this really bizarre thing that happened. Oh, so I, I have an idea. Maybe it was Joyce's day off from work because mm. he mentioned your mom came in here to clean. Okay. But they never say that. Yeah. And that would have been a more interesting. And then, oh, she just left to go to dinner to take care of something at the gallery tonight. Right. That would, that, yeah, that would be a perfect explanation. Buffy wouldn't have to think about it. Angel wouldn't have to come up with some really far flung excuse that would make it a lot easier to stomach. So Angel tells Buffy that he can't be around her anymore because all he can think about is kissing her. Mm. And then they kiss, and it's really, really hot. <laughs> I like this. This is a good kiss. No, so it is, I will it is. say, I am usually not a fan of 
Sarah Michelle Gellar's kissing. And as much as I am a diehard Spike fan, mm. when she and Spike kiss, it's like they're trying to eat each other's faces. It's like there's a lot of teeth involved. I may have spent too much time dissecting uh, kisses on Buffy. That that actually might be a legitimate thing because their 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 relationship is so fraught with this weird anger, psychosexual tension. Their relationship has some teeth. Ah, uh, uh, I get it. Uh, <laughs> but this is a good kiss. This is like a yes. really really hot yeah. kiss. Uh, he pulls away from her, and we see he's a vampire. Ah, big reveal unless you've uh, started watching Angel first, in which case it's not a reveal at all. Buffy screams, and Angel jumps out of the window. The vamp makeup at this point is very clunky, by the way. Yeah, it doesn't look fully blended in, and it's very hard to tell people apart when they're vamped out. I think later on they're doing a better job. It's of more making subtle it. later on. It actually seems like this could be your real face. Yeah, it's more subtle, and it doesn't seem like. They use the same size makeup for everybody, so everyone just looks like they're wearing mm. the same vampire mask. Absolutely, yeah. Which is not as cool. Although, one thing I do have to point out, and I think you may have mentioned this on an earlier podcast, uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar, not a great screamer. This is a good one. I I mean, it's one of her better ones, but I don't think it's great. It's still a little, like, not to be insensitive, but mannish for me. It's like, ah! I think it's visceral. Like, to me, this is, like, utterly terrifying visceral. Yeah. The really worst scream of the entire series is on Hush, which Ooh, is terrible because yeah. it's like the only <laughs> verbal sound in the episode. It is and it's, kind of a climax. It is the worst scream. Cordy wins best scream of oh, like yeah, yeah. the whole series. Maybe I'm just getting too used to Cordy having like the best screams that I'm judging this one a little too harshly. But I also feel like when Cordy screams, usually it's not as gut-wrenchingly terrifying it's as I just made out. Really yeah, quickly. exactly. Not I just made out with a vampire and he's two inches from my face. So the next morning, Buffy and Willow are in shock over this, as he would be. Giles explains that a vampire is a demon and can't be a good guy. Xander advises that she, as a slayer, slay Angel. Which I don't fault him. He's not wrong. Yeah, I mean, it is, especially what they've experienced up to this point, there's no idea that anything that's magical in the sense of a vampire or a demon can be anything other than a horrible killing monster machine yeah. of ultimate doom. They One have th- never known anything other than that. Yeah. And I like Giles' description of the personality. They may retain some traits. They may act like they used to before, but they're not really them. And that got me to thinking about one thing I kind of like about the vampires in Buffy, and especially later on, they explore it with in alternate universes when somebody's a vampire, how they're almost a weird reflection of something about the person as a human. Yeah. Definitely Angel is, is when he turns to Angelus, it's a reflection of his relationship with his father. Then you have, in the alternate dimension where there's a vampire Willow, there's things that are revealed about her. Yeah. It's almost like being a vampire is like being really, really drunk. Where it just reveals a lot about you. Sometimes it's for good, sometimes it's it's for bad, sometimes it's more true, and sometimes it's more an exaggerated piece of who you are. It makes sense that re- removing someone's conscience mm-hmm. is akin to removing their inhibitions. Exactly. I mean, it's it's pretty much the same thing. Yeah, yeah. It's I don't think most drunk people would go around biting people's necks, but it, they'd be a lot more likely to. Yeah. <laughs> Makes you wonder what you're own vampire version of yourself. Actually, oh. I'm terrified of that. I don't need yeah. to know that. <laughs> yeah, I feel like mine would be really lame. Mine would be like a vampire who, who doesn't go out that much to feed, but just kind of every once in a while will like do something nerdily cool about vamping, just be in the mirror and vamp. Oh, well, I couldn't look in the mirror, could I? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't want to become a vampire after all. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> if I could groom in the mirror. <laughs> also, that brings up a point. How does Angel have such nice hair? Because he doesn't have a mirror. They don't age? I don't know. But he has longer hair when he's a vampire earlier. You think it's nice hair? It's gross hair. No, I'm saying that's not nice hair, but like now he's got pretty nice oh. hair, and it looks like it's definitely styled. Which You can go to an all-night stylist and have them do it. Just <laughs> don't have them look in the mirror. <laughs> There's a lost episode of Buffy about the, the vampire hairstylist that works all night. They could cut each other's hair, like if you had a buddy. <laughs> but he doesn't have a buddy. That's true. He's been screwed. And neither does Spike, and Spike's got like really... A, Kind of complex. He had Drusilla for a long time. Yeah, he had Harmony. Okay, I guess later on is the only part where it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I could definitely see Drusilla, you know, singing some weird song while doing his hair. Sure, that would be a great deleted scene. Angel comes home to his basement apartment to find Darla waiting for him. They talk about old times. Obviously, they go back a ways. Angel says he's not like humans, but not like vampires either. Darla reminds him that he still feeds off of blood and cryptically mentions that Angel is cursed. I like that they're like little by little Mm. feeding us things to figure out what is with this guy. Yeah. We know that he's a vampire, but now we're starting to get more of, well, he's different than most vampires and there's something to that. And she knows something about this. It's a nice mystery, which I feel like sometimes can get lost in a a Buffy episode. And especially the next episode, I feel like that's what was missing the most. But I like that they keep a good job with the mystery of Angel. In the Watcher's Diaries, Giles finds references to Angelus, who has the same tattoo as Angel. He's 240 years old. Angel left Ireland, wrecked havoc across Europe, and then suddenly came to America, shunned all others, and as far as we know, stopped killing. But why? In the Master's Lair, Darla suggests that they have Angel kill the Slayer in self-defense. Then Angel would return to their family. Following this plan, Darla arrives at the Summer's house, where Joyce invites her in. Darla claims to be another one of Buffy's tutors. She attacks Joyce. Angel rushes in to help. Angel's I'm so hungry for Joyce's blood face is bad. It's just really super, like, bad acting. I feel like the thing that really ruins it for me is there's clearly a point where they should have edited this one shot where he, after he first kind of vamps out as he's holding Joyce, and then Darla leaves and he looks down and he's like, oh, and he looks away and then looks back, and they should have cut it way yeah. before that. It's like he's waiting that. to be interrupted. It's it's like you're filming the part where somebody's somebody else has forgotten a line and you have to vamp as the vamp. <laughs> oh, I keep doing this today. Uh, where, where somebody else has to keep going even though they don't have a line, but they know the other person has to give their line to do the next part. That's what it yeah. looks like he's doing. Where he's like, uh, ooh, I'm going to act real mad here and wait until the next person comes because it's their cue. Ooh, ooh. But even like I know that he's going for I'm conflicted because mm. I'm hungry and there's blood. But this, it really just comes across as I'm acting like I'm I don't know. It's so yeah. bad. It's just really bad overacting. So Buffy comes home. It looks like Angel has bitten and fed on Joyce. She throws him through the window. How does she explain that to her mom? I don't know. And I think, is that the first time we've had somebody crash through a window? Second in this episode. Yeah. Oh, no. Is it when he jumps out her window, is it open? I think it, I think it's open. I don't okay. think it... Yeah. So I think it was, it was open, or he like opens it really quick. But yeah, that's another fine tradition in the sure. uh, Buffy canon of breaking the windows. That is kind of a... I like that you don't see her throw him. You just see him thrown out, and then she gets to be all badass and saying, you get out of here, or whatever she says. It. Something cooler than that. It is a cool shot that we just see 
the after effect from outside. Mm -hmm. In the hospital, Joyce's lack of pronouns makes Angel sound even guiltier. Joyce says that Buffy's friend has had come over to help Buffy study. She doesn't remember what happened, but the doctor suggested that she slipped and fell on a barbecue fork, which is actually more plausible than the mysterious neck rupture syndrome that they talk about, or gangs on PCP, or that kind of thing. That I, I will take barbecue fork. Yeah, and it supports the story that she gave of, oh, I think I just fell down. Yeah. Although, obviously, they have the joke about we don't have a barbecue fork, which is a nice little funny thing there. And I really think that you could make the argument that maybe it's a little too convenient that Darla says she's a friend who's tutoring, and that's exactly like the thing that Angel said, and that maybe is why what Joyce said was a, a little too convincing. But I think it was a pretty solid plan, what she yeah. did to frame Angel. Yes. And it, it obviously worked. It did work. This was the push that Buffy needed to kill Angel. She's going to get the crossbow and find him. Meanwhile, Joyce speaks to Giles about the attack, this time using real names. Mm-hmm. So Giles figures out that Darla is the one who attacked her, and the gang go to find and tell Buffy. I love in the hospital scenes, there's two of the lines, much like the Owen line that I liked, the only Owen line that I liked in Never Kill a Boy <laughs> on the First Date, where uh, Joyce talks about, boy, the teachers really do care in this town when Giles is there to pay yeah. his respects. And then that school is amazing when he goes to find Darla. I think that's, that's, I like those kinds of jokes where it's a little, a little meta and, and cute about admitting that this is maybe a little silly, but this is how we justify it in a, in a funny joke way. Sure. Buffy finds Angel at the bronze, which has been closed for fumigation. They fight. Angel explains his curse. For a hundred years, he wreaked havoc as a vampire, even killed his own family. Mm. But then he fed on a gypsy girl. The gypsies sought vengeance by cursing him with a soul. This means that he will feel remorse for all the bad deeds he's ever done. He has a conscience where other vampires do not. He has, has not fed on a human since then. Buffy drops the crossbow and offers her neck to Angel. He doesn't bite her. But then Darla arrives. Mm. Buffy does a cool move where she flips the crossbow up with her foot. But then Darla pulls twin guns on her. John Woo style. Uh, Before we get to, again, talking about the weirdness of the guns, uh, do you want to point out, because this is another nerdy uh, notice, there are two shots in this scene where she's about to kill Angel with a crossbow that are used in the credits. One is where she's just kind of holding it at kind of a medium shot, and that's used in the regular credits. And then there's the one real close-up on her face as she holding it that's used in the weird pre-credit, there is a slayer unto every generation born, in that really shitty 90s narration. <laughs> uh, that's also used there, which I think are two pretty badass shots to use. But uh, I, do you want to say anything else about the crazy guns? I think we covered it. I don't think that it was meant to be silly. I think... When Darla says scarier, the creators really thought that this was going to be a scary moment. I laugh every time. And I think if maybe they'd give her more training on how to hold the guns, or if it was just one gun, but something about seeing a woman dressed as a vampire in a schoolgirl outfit holding two guns awkwardly is not scary. So the schoolgirl outfit with the guns itself, I think, would be bad. It's kind of, there's, in their character in Kill Kill Bill that's like that. Yes. Kill yes. Gil, the, the fourth one. Yes, it's, it's about just some uh, insurance adjuster named Gil. <laughs> she gets murdered by a crazy samurai woman. But I think you're right. I think it's seen the vamp face behind the guns. It's just like, that's not a thing. And it's just, it's too much. And 
it's not built up to it anyway. And the guns themselves don't look that scary. They look super proppy. They don't look like real guns. If she had had one gun, or even just something like a shotgun, which I feel is a little more intimidating naturally than just two pistols held awkwardly, something had, had to be different for that to not just be kind of funny. Darla shoots Angel, which won't kill him, but will effectively take him out of the fight. Buffy and Darla exchange arrows and bullets in a fairly effective fight scene. I thought, I mean, yeah. it, it actually, despite the guns, this is pretty good. Yeah, if you can look past that, it's it's pretty neat. Uh, and I do like that she shoots an arrow and it doesn't hit the heart and it doesn't kill the vampire for once. They, yes. It's not a weird, she doesn't have heart gut. Thank you. Uh, so that's nice. And she has the line about close but no heart. That's pretty cool. Angel surprises Darla by stabbing her in the back with an arrow. Mm. Darla exclaims, Angel? And then turns to dust. I feel like this isn't a huge moment if you're watching the show in real time. If yeah. you were watching this from the get-go, this might be like, great, she's dead, she's gone. If you have a sense of the entire series and That's you've also watched Angel, moment. it really hits you how big this is. Yeah. Like, oh, it breaks my heart. And it shouldn't. She's the bad guy in this episode. Yeah. But when you think of everything these two have gone through, this is Angel's version of becoming part two. Mm-hmm. In this moment, he is Buffy at the end of season two. Yeah, and it's it's crazy. It's really, it's like in that one fell swoop, he's killing his mother and his greatest love up to this point. And his best friend. And his best friend and the only person that actually knows who he is at all, really. She doesn't have was friends. the whole story. Yeah, and that's... And I think what's even sadder is the fact that no one knows but Angel. The yeah. fact that he suffers through this mm-hmm. 100% alone because no one knows the, how big that moment was. Yeah, and it's it's not something they can explain to them because it even if he tried, it would just make him remember more of the stuff and bring up more of this awful stuff that he wouldn't want to tell anybody. So again, it's the typical Angel way of just keeping it all inside and brooding and it's one of the moments that I actually do feel bad for Angel. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And it's so funny that I'm obviously at this point, I don't think that they had planned out any of the story mm. that's going to come later between the two of them. Definitely nothing that came in Angel the TV show. Oh, no, no, no. But it's weird that I can kind of see it. Yeah, yeah. Well, because I think they do a good job of later in Angel taking the little clues we get in Buffy and extrapolating from there. Like, there's... They show eventually an angel, angel actually killing his whole family. They have a flashback of that. And they, even as small as he has the line about the last time I saw you, it was kimonos, which super nerd quibble. It wasn't actually kimonos. It was, uh, the Chinese outfit that those are kind of based off of called hunfu. And the last time he saw her was in the boxer rebellion. So that's why that's even like brought up later on. So it's, it's a really neat. Uh, way they are able to get the continuity later, kind of, draw from what they've already built and build it up from there. The master angrily grieves the loss of his favorite. The anointed one promises to succeed where she fails. As the gang celebrates the bronze's post-fumigation party, <laughs> Angel arrives. Buffy is wearing the cross that Angel gave her. Mm-hmm. They agree that it's impossible for the two of them to have a relationship, but then they kiss again. It's yeah. a little less hot this time. There's not as much like sexual tension here. Mm-hmm. It's a little sweeter. As they pull apart, they agree that it's painful. We think that they're speaking emotionally. But as Buffy leaves, we see that her cross necklace has burnt itself into Angel's skin. That's pretty awesome. That's okay. a great metaphor. I, think. I always thought so. 
But on this watching, I changed my mind. Oh. I always thought it was kind of cool. And it was kind of hot that Angel wants her so bad he's mm-hmm. willing to go through this pain. But it's kind of sick of Buffy to knowingly put him through that. Why oh. is she punishing him by leaning into him with this necklace if she knows it's burning his skin? See, I don't think she knows. But you can see it! I don't think she. I don't think she's looking down at his chest. She's looking into his face because this is the love of her life. She's not I think like you'd see that in your. Per, you'd see ser- smoking, searing skin in your peripheral. Peripheral. Well, maybe the smell. I, I, I grant you probably should see that. Although, or smell that, not see that. You shouldn't see a smell unless you're doing LSD. Uh, but <laughs> she should smell it. But maybe vampires, when they burn, they don't smell as as bad. I don't know. Retconning, not yes, a retconning, retconning. <laughs> But I think I think it's cooler because it's again, Angel just takes everything in on his on himself. He's the inner turmoil, brooding guy that she doesn't even know how much she's hurting him with this kiss. But he'll still take it anyway because it's that's how much he he loves her. Yes, I agree. That was the intention, and that's how I've taken it every other time. But I I still think it's kind of sick that Buffy is knowingly burning his skin and scarring. Well, not scarring him. That won't last. Yeah, it'll heal. And then, yeah, it'll heal. He's fine. He tortures himself mentally more than that that cross. That's true. All the time. I do like the line where Xander is pretending to be all mature about... Buffy dancing with Angel, and I'm not going to look. Uh, it's it's fine. Nothing's happening as long as they're not kissing. And then Willow's kind of reaction is very adorable there. So this episode is the big turning point for me with season one. And mm. I have to assume with most people, yeah, this is where I really start to see what the show is going to be. The way this episode hits me on all of my emotions mm-hmm. is why I will forever be a Whedonite. Every Buffy fan, whether you're on Team Bangle or Team Spuffy, has to acknowledge what a major plot point the Buffy-Angel relationship will be, and this is where it started. This is a huge moment. Yeah, and it's really the first episode that does a good job of mixing the mythology with a bigger through line and the characters in a, in a really unified way, where a lot of times it felt like it had mythology stuff, but it wouldn't really mean anything or just be oh there's another bad guy or oh this is a little bit more of the plan but not really any deep emotional stuff to connect it and this ties up mythology and the emotional and the characters and is still entertaining yes which yeah exactly i think it's it's the turning point i can imagine if i was watching this live this would be the moment where i'm like okay i'm in so I would maybe be a little bit hesitant up to this point, like, oh, this is pretty clever writing for the most part, but it's just kind of a lot of Monster of the Week stuff. I guess they have that big vampire, but there's nothing really happening there. Yeah, that I mean, the Masters just, in terms of the arc-heavy episodes up to this point, the Master's been kind of a letdown. Yeah, he's just, oh, I'm going to send my fiercest minion, and that minion's easily destroyed. Yes. And that's just been the repeating pattern. She, he's, again, to bring up Power Rangers, I don't know why I have Power Rangers out in the mind. He's like Rita Repulsa. He's just sending down monsters, and the heroes defeat them. Yes. And it's just the same thing over and over. Whereas this one, you're bringing up arc heavy stuff in terms of angel will stick around we've you know we're dealing with buffy's emotions for him up until this point it's just so much more interesting than the the master stuff that we're 
really fleshing out these relationships with the characters. And even the master stuff, I feel like, is better in this episode. Because you see, yeah, he does still stand out the three, which is very much like stuff we've seen him do before. But you also get, oh, he had a relationship with Darla where uh, she was his favorite and he feels really conflicted about that. Also, his plan is a little bit better with Darla where it's, oh, we're going to manipulate Angel into doing this as opposed to just sending another generic hitman. Or yeah, hitman. it's a solid plan. Shall we do deleted scene theater? Oh, sure. Let's do deleted scene theater. So this is an exchange between Xander and Willow, which I'm assuming is cut because we all know that this is it's what's happening. It's kind of just hitting everything over the head with like a really big rod. Mm-hmm. And scene. Love sucks. Ever since I was in grammar school, it's the same old dance. You dig someone, they dig someone else. And then that someone else digs someone else. That's the dance. I mean, I'm right for her. I'm the guy. I know it. She's so stupid. She's not stupid, but it's too much. We're such good buds. I'm this close to her, and she doesn't have a clue how I feel. I wouldn't care if she did. It's killing me. He exits. Gee, what's that like? The only reason, like, again, I I think it's right that they cut this scene because Mm -hmm. we just don't need it. But the only reason I would want them to leave it in is I imagine that Willow's expression during this exchange would be adorable. Yeah, and I don't think there would be anything wrong with that deleted scene. It's just like, oh, we've already said this before and pretty much every episode. We don't need to see it again here. Especially if you're going to cut something from time for time, I would definitely cut that. I would have probably just uh, cut stuff out of the next episode. Uh, <laughs> okay. <with> that being <laughs> said. It's time to put Angel back on the shelf and open the books on iRobot U Jane. Oh, boy. Uh, me rough. Me rough one. <laughs> I, Robot You Jane starts in a castle in Italy in the 1400s, where a green horned demon professes love for a young man named Carlo. Once Carlo returns his love, the demon snaps Carlo's neck. Okay, so out of context, this would be a really cool scene. I feel like it does not work for the episode because it's much cooler than anything else this character does in the rest of the episode. And... It totally removes any mystery from the character for the rest of the episode. We know exactly what he is. Agreed on both points. Absolutely. I know his shtick within two minutes of the episode. Yeah. And I now have the information that our characters won't for the rest of the episode. Mm -hmm. And I am just waiting for them to catch up. Yeah. And that's completely against any sort of dramatic tension. And you just feel like you're waiting for everybody to play catch up. Even his followers don't understand him. It's just, and you're just waiting and waiting, and then you just see a crappy robot, and yeah. ugh. Boring. This opening sequence. And it did remind me a lot of the movie, because uh, it has a weird flashback that really has no business being in, in there, and doesn't add anything, and only takes away from the finished product. In general, I'm a fan of Buffy flashbacks, more so in, when it's terms of character development. I like to see yeah. Irish Angel. A lot of people don't. I like it. I really like to know more about the Fang Gang, Spike, Darla, mm-hmm. Drusilla, and see how they started. And this, this flashback is not one of those. I feel like it would have been more effective, and I'll talk about this more because I, I basically wrote out an outline of my better version of this episode. But... 
I feel like if you had shown it later and kept the mystery alive, I would have been fine. Yes. If this was something that the uh, that Moloch showed to Willow when he had her trapped at the computer lab, that would have been much more effective for me. But seeing it now just completely removes anything that would be cool about this episode. You know where this should have gone is when Giles figures out Moloch's deal. Yeah, that would work. Him great. reading something from the Watcher's diary, mm-hmm. we should flash back to this. Yeah. Yeah, that would be fun. That would be much better too. Like any place else, but the very beginning would have nope. been much better. Ugh. So some monks tell us that the demon is named Moloch, and that they bind him to a big book. Mm-hmm. They explain that if someone reads the book, it will release the demon. It's reminded me a lot of the movie Monster Squad, by the way. So if anyone out there listening has seen Monster Squad, if you haven't, go see it. Well, go rent it. I don't think it's playing anywhere because it's about thirty years old. But uh, it reminded me a lot of as far as kind of capturing a demon through a portal kind of thing into a book and binding them. And just the lighting of it reminded me a lot of that movie. And I wonder if maybe that was where they got some of their inspiration. Hmm. Probably not, though, because that movie is actually really fun and cool. So I think this demon looks a lot like the Fjarl demon from season four. Okay. Uh, It's different color, but I Google searched both demons. Mm. I kind of think they reused the costume because they're almost identical. And why wouldn't you? Because the demon in this awesome form only shows up for about a minute. And then, although he is in the opening credits. Oh, yep. Yeah. So we're back in the 20th century. The students at Sunnydale High are scanning the text from ancient books into the computer database. We meet Johnny Calendar. This is the only redeemable thing about this episode. Yes, yes. Uh, her, her interactions with Giles, if I could just have them somehow in a little mini episode that doesn't contain yes. the rest of the context, I would be so happy. They do have really good banter. Yes. Jenny Callender is the Sunnydale computer teacher. She and Giles immediately butt heads as it seems their jobs are polar opposites. Also enter Fritz and Dave, who are Willow's fellow computer science students. Fritz is into computers in like a sick, sexual, terrifying way. Objected. Well, and even from this first sense, the the written word is dead. Um... (laughs) Calm down, buddy. Yeah, he's he's way too into it. He's He is what the worst of internet comments are personified. I don't think this person... I mean, the same way that Owen doesn't exist, Fritz does not exist. Oh, yeah. This is not a person. Yeah, n- nobody actually talks like that in real life. This is like somebody venting online and somebody, I guess, maybe read early internet comments and made a character out of it. There you go. <laughs> There's a great line here where Giles goes to put some books away in the stacks and says, I'll be back in the Middle Ages. To which uh, Jenny replies, did you ever leave? Oh, snap. Love it. Love it. Also, he's going to the stacks. Hey, we're in the stacks. Right oh, now. we're with Giles. Although, one thing I think is a little ridiculous is that Giles doesn't know the word scan, apparently. Yeah, no, that's... Like, skin it? Like... Come on, Giles. You've heard the word scan before. It's also like, it is an English word. Yeah. Like, scan was a word before computers. Yeah, it has existed. meanings that I'm sure you you know. You could scan the horizon. Like, it's not a weird new internet or word. Or I'm going to scan this text with my eyes to look yes. for it. Yeah. Yeah. And why would skin? That's just weird. Maybe you're spending too much time reading about skin demons or something. As Willow scans Moloch's book into the computer, the text disappears. As Willow turns from the computer screen, we see this... Green turned to black, and the words, where am I? Which is not scary. That's, that's like, immediately taking the power away from your villain of, uh, I'm confused. Confused in, in a computer is not scary. There's got to be some other phrase they could have he used. He also, I mean, like, he goes from not knowing where he is to, like, mastering the internet yes. very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> like, and we don't see how he does, I guess, Dave and Fritz help. They're like... 
hey that's buddy, possible. here's how you do it. Uh, so that's another issue I have with the episode of the limits and rules of Moloch on the internet seem to just not exist. They're never explained. And I understand it's a new thing, because obviously there's never been a demon on the internet as far as we know. But it just seems like a problem you have with a lot of ghost stories, where the ghost can just kind of do anything, so it's not really scary because there's nothing to hold on to. Right. The next week at school, notice I said week. I had to rewatch this. Week. Not the next day. The next yeah. week at school, Willow has been up all night talking to a guy, Malcolm. But Willow has no idea what he looks like, because they've just chatted online. Online for what? Oh. That line? You're not a fan? Yeah, no. This is all (laughs) alien behavior to Buffy, who finds it dangerous to chat with someone you know nothing about. Buffy warns Willow that Malcolm could be lying about who he really is. She poorly phrases this by focusing on what Malcolm looks like. Meanwhile, Malcolm, okay, we know it's Moloch, Mm -hmm. is watching them via a webcam. So this episode is obviously Joss's warning to teenagers about chat rooms, online dating, I think both. Yeah, and I'm very conflicted because while I do agree with a lot of the things Giles says, or at least understand them, I feel like the episode does a really poor job of expressing the fears and concerns that it brings up, where it seems to focus on the most hysterical fears as opposed to the more realistic fears of, oh, somebody's not who they're they're claiming to be and how you can be hurt from that, as opposed to, oh, there's a demon that's going to blow up the world. Right. It's not like this is... And an ordinate fear. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a thing that is a problem. Online yeah. dating right now, I assume, is more popular than regular dating. Everyone I know mm-hmm. who's single is online dating. And it is a real problem in terms of your safety. You have yeah, to you know, know that if you're meeting someone online, they could be lying. When you meet them in person, mm-hmm. make sure it's in safety because yeah. you, this person could be lying to you. This is all really important stuff. Mm-hmm. They just do it badly. Yeah, it's... It focuses on all the wrong things throughout the episode, and it just wastes opportunities for what could have been probably not the best story, but a very decent story that actually said something, as opposed to just a mess with a crappy robot at the end. So did you ever go into chat rooms way back when? Not really. I did do uh, IMing with friends, like people I already knew. I did that quite a bit. That doesn't count. Yes. I'm talking about talking to strangers online, Mike. Although I do have one story. Okay. Okay, so I had uh, this one uh, friend, and we were friends in middle school, and then he moved away, or I moved away, or both moved away, and hadn't heard from in a long, long time. And I get this random IM message, and I don't recognize who it's from, and it says, are you looking at porn? And of course, as a 15-year-old man- You were. And- You were. Let me finish. Let me finish. <laughs> As a, as a 15 year old, uh, boy, it, it, with the internet is a fairly new thing for me. I had been in the past week. <laughs> and since I didn't recognize who that message was from, I was terrified. <laughs> I thought that, like, the feds were asking me <laughs> for looking at porn online because I wasn't old enough. And, oh, this is really embarrassing. Um, <laughs> So I, I literally, I like closed that and closed the, the, the computer and didn't go back online for like a month. And then when I finally oh. did, I found out that it was just my friend. And I was, I cannot tell you the relief I had because I lived in fear that, oh my, I'm going to get arrested for looking at porn for a month. Oh my gosh, that's oh. awesome. I mean, so again, to bring it back to this episode, this is a real thing. And it's obviously more prevalent nowadays. Mm-hmm. Than it was back then. If anything, this episode should be more relevant. Yes. 
there's a whole new word now called catfishing. Yes. That this is a thing. It's a movie. It's a TV show. And by the way, I love this show. Chris and I watch it all the time. <laughs> For more stories about 90s chat rooms and old school technology that looks terrible in movies, everyone should check out Haiti Remembers episode on the 90s flop, The Net. You didn't know that you needed a five-minute scene of somebody ordering a pizza online, but you did. You did. You absolutely did. The other thing about this episode is that it treats all online behavior as some sort of freakish behavior. Yeah, and if they had made more of a deal of it being like people getting too into it and being more cultish, I could see even that being an interesting way to take it. But it just seems to kind of do a little bit of everything and not really make any good points and just make it seem like... This is what I vaguely heard the internet is. Yeah. So these are all the scary things about it. Crappy robot at the end. Moloch tells Fritz to watch Buffy. Fritz sits there staring at a computer screen repeating, I'm jacked in. <laughs> I'm jacked in. I really do feel I'm like jacked him, in. him and the pork and beans guy, they should be best they friends. They are best friends. And they should just say those two things to each other all day long. <laughs> wait, That'll okay, be an wait. Episode we're going to do it. You be pork and beans. <laughs> I'll be Fritz. Okay. <laughs> you ready? Pork and beans. I'm jacked in. Pork and beans. I'm jacked in. Pork and beans. <laughs> I, <can't do> <laughs> I love it. It's the best. So this is the scene that immediately comes to mind for me when someone talks about this episode. Just Fritz repeating this line. <laughs> what did occur to me this time is how much Moloch is kind of like a cult leader. Yeah. Because he hasn't cast a spell on Fritz and Dave. No. He's just using flattery and mm-hmm. promises of wealth and yeah. power to get these people to do his bidding. Mm-hmm. And it is it is scarier when you think about it that way. When you yeah. think about the fact that Fritz and Dave has, have had nothing done to them mm-hmm. that anybody can't do to them. Yeah, but the thing is, the show doesn't make that point enough. Yeah, no, if they the, had, yeah. that'd be great. Yeah, if they had, that would be another interesting thing of, uh, and it would reflect Willow's own infatuation with Malcolm Moloch as a more realistic thing in a way, where it's somebody kind of falling in love through gently being uh, flattered over time and having this online relationship, and it turns out the person doesn't have the right intentions. Again, a thing that would be really relevant in the world, real world. But Yes, so many relationships where people will sweet-talk you and build you up mm-hmm. and then gradually alienate you from your friends and mm-hmm. loved ones so that you are only with them and then they 100% control you. Yeah. Like, that that would be creepy yes. if they actually delved into it. Yeah, if they delved into it instead of just having the worst laptop ever. Yay! I love, I, I love that, though, when the guy's on the stairs. And I know it's just the, the times that was... Probably a popular laptop that year, but that laptop is insane. That weird <laughs> that's got like a three inch screen and is like, it looks like an old typewriter. I'm fairly certain my family had that laptop. <laughs> my family went straight from a an electronic typewriter to a full on computer with internet. We had no in between. No in between. Like. We definitely had our first computer. Was the MS-DOS style, which I've learned from training employees that Ooh. kids nowadays don't know what MS-DOS was. But it didn't have a mouse. You had to type in yep. commands. And we had one game that it wasn't really a game, but my brother and I were obsessed with this. We thought it was the coolest thing. It was like the birthday game where it would pop up and it would say, and it would just align. It said, enter your birthday and you type in your birthday. No matter what birthday you typed okay. in, mind you, it would just cut to like binary version of fireworks and it would play like, Deep, 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 deep. 
Deep, 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 deep. And Dave and I thought this was so cool. Sorry, my brother Dave and I thought this was so cool that, like, a computer could do this. And back then it was. That was straight up HD animation back then. What happened to your birthday? What? Why did you even have to your birthday? Yeah. You that's all- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like, oh, here's some fun facts about the day no. you were born. And no. then, nope, just, you have to enter in a full set of, that's such a DOS thing too, of like, that's when this complicated series of numbers to do, the only thing that this thing does. Deep, deep, deep. such a sad noise. <laughs> And then we had like the printer that printed out with the the flaps on either end that you had to tear off. Oh yeah, the the weird little uh, hole punch things. Why? I don't even know what you why on. why did those exist? I, I guess it was the easiest way to print things. Oh, so weird. So Buffy asks Dave's help in tracing who Malcolm really is. She wants to track the location from which an email was sent, except she calls it an e letter. <laughs> Oh, and that's one of the things I know at the time that was probably a term that people still use. No, it was never a term. Okay, it wasn't? Okay. No. Dave tells Buffy to leave Willow alone. Buffy thinks that Dave is Malcolm. Mm-hmm. She asks for Giles' help regarding the computer students. He suggests that she tail him, which she does in sunglasses and a trench coat, complete with hilarious. spy music. Yes, that's that's hilarious. And her version of the dark glasses and trench coat is far more conspicuous than just yes. wearing her regular clothes. Yes. Uh, they go to a, she tracks into a place called CRD. Fritz watches her via a security cam. Malik tells him to kill Buffy, to which she responds, "Party." Ugh. Gross, Fritz. Just gross. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <No>. like <laughs> life fail. Yeah, every line he has just sounds so gross and pervy. Again, he's not under a spell. No. This is just Fritz. Yeah, that's. That's, uh, I mean, he makes it makes sense that he would be the guy to go along with Molly because it seems like he was just waiting for somebody to tell him to kill kill people. It could have been anybody. Yeah, this guy could needs have been help. the milkman. Yeah, Xander tells us that CRD is Calix Research and Development, a computer lab. It's the third largest employer in Sunnydale until it closed down last year. Buffy and Xander decide to break in to see what Dave is up to. I do like in the the scene where they figure all this out. And Giles is talking with them. There's just a couple little subtle lines where I love that it's made clear that aside from Buffy and to a lesser extent Willow and to a far lesser extent Xander, Giles just hates teenagers. Yeah. Like the, the way he, he talks down to them. And, and uh, I think there's one line where it's, uh, these boys aren't sparklingly normal as it is. It just like, it's, it relishes it so much. And I, I, I kind of adore him for that. We all hate teenagers. They're the worst. The only people who don't hate teen... No. Even teenagers hate teenagers. Everybody hates teenagers. They are the schmoes of Mm. age. Yeah, it's it's the worst. Because you're not fun like a kid. Because you're full of all these... Like, wonderful ways to view the world innocently. But you you don't know anything. This unearned sense of... What? Not pride. I guess pride. Oh, they just think they're so cool. Well, I think one of the things, and this is something I remember having a conversation with my brother about, because I've always expressed my distaste for teenagers, and he said something along the lines of, yeah, it's just, the since they don't know anything, the only way to have any sort of power or authority or feel like they're not helpless is to pretend like they're better than everything. Yes. And that's just such ugh. a ugh way to look at the world. Not to have any joy or wonder or respect. Humility. Yeah. Or, yeah. Willow is chatting with Malcolm, who says that Buffy just causes trouble, and that's why she got kicked out of her old school. Willow finds it odd that Malcolm has this information and decides to sign off. 
Back in the library, Giles and Jenny are arguing over the merits of physical books versus putting information online. They find Moloch's now empty book. Okay, so this was the moment. This was the exact moment where I paused the video and realized I am fucking bored. Yep. And this is where I realized it's because I have all the information. And I've just been sitting here at this... I mean, how far into the episode is this? 30 minutes? Yeah, at least it's it's at least halfway through the episode, and finally the characters have some idea of what's going on, and it's taking them forever to figure it all out. I think you could excuse all the outdated technology and mm-hmm. the silly 90s online dating stuff yeah. if it was just formatted better. Yeah, that's, that's, I think, the biggest sin this episode commits, is that it's got no real tension, because you're always ahead of everyone on screen. You're ahead of Moloch from a lot of parts of it, even. Yeah. You could make the argument. It's just, there's nothing that, there's no stakes to it. it and, and there should be, because it's Willow, one of the, the most lovable characters on the show that there ever is, and her possibly being tempted or taken over or killed by this horrible demon that's supposed to be this great demon with awesome power and there's no no, you don't care no i feel nothing i think this is a good place to pause and tell us about your better version of this story fix it mike fix it okay so first of all if we need to do any sort of flashback we start at the monks pulling some evil we don't know what the evil is into a book the book goes into a crate Opens up on Buffy. We don't know what it is. Yeah. Maybe it's a demon. Maybe it's a curse. Maybe it's a bunch of demons. We don't know. And then you have the whole little scene in, in the library. But we don't see Willow scan the book. And we don't get some sh- crappy, uh, where am I? I'm lost thing from the demon. We just get something kind of vaguely intimidating about the book. And we see the people at the computers. And then what we get is basically the assumption that somehow this book has corrupted Dave. And you don't have to change that much in the episode. Make us think that maybe Dave has been possessed by this computer, and he's the one online stalking Willow. And that is a really creepy, realistic fear that, oh, this kid is has become obsessed with Willow, but it's actually a supernatural thing. And you can still have a lot of the things that happen in the episode happen up until the point that Dave dies. Then it's a reveal that it's not Dave. That it's actually this much bigger force of Moloch the demon that's taking over, that has other people in this cult helping him. It's not just Dave and maybe Fritz is his helper. Fritz is going to kill Dave. And Moloch is this thing that's much bigger than both of them. And then eventually, after we get a lot of subtle hints about there's something maybe happening at the CRD place. There's something happening with the computer club. We figure out that there is a demon in the internet at the same time the characters in the show do. We figure out that it's an actual demon. And then maybe we get a flashback of Moloch, or maybe we wait until Willow is taken to CRD. And at that point, we don't get a shitty robot. We get the awesome costume from the beginning of the episode. If you want to add, like, a metallic robe to it, sure, that's fine. Or better yet, don't have it be revealed until the very end where they try to uncast the demon out of the internet, and it's uh, kind of a race between Moloch trying to take physical form, because he hasn't yet, and Giles and Jenny trying to trap him back in the book. So it's this race of who's going to win first. And then we find out that he's cast out of the internet, but he still has the physical form. And he takes on Buffy and that awesome costume we see from the beginning, not the shitty robot. And it could still end in a very much the same way. We don't need to get new sets. We don't need to get to need uh, new actors. We don't even need another robot suit. It's a cheaper episode to film this way. It's a better episode because there's tension throughout the episode. We don't know what's going on. It relates more to 
what the actual problems of online dating are, that there could be a real person that's stalking you and eventually find out that it's actually a demon. But we have that tension up until that point. We don't see the demon until very late in the episode. And it's a cool demon design. Maybe we hint at it a little bit with the book. And then when we actually see it, it's a cool, impressive thing rather than, oh, we saw that at the beginning. That's not nearly as scary. And again, it's it really wouldn't take that much to fix what we already have here. And that's what I think is the saddest thing about this episode. That's amazing. Yeah. That is a really, really, really good version of this episode. I would 100% watch that, and I bet you I'd like it. Yeah, and I think, like you said, if the episode had more tension, it, you could forgive the, the horrible datedness yeah. of the technology. Well, and look at the rest of season one. The mm-hmm. whole thing is dated. Buffy has a beeper. Yes. We that's... forgive that stuff. We forgive the bad special effects. Mm-hmm. We forgive the cheesy technology mm-hmm. because we enjoy the characters, because we enjoy the writing. The writing sucks in this one. Yeah. The other thing I realized that I that this is missing versus like Witch, Teacher's Pet, and The Pack, also Monster of the Week episodes. Mm-hmm. Why do I forgive those ones more? Because this one takes itself way too fucking seriously. Mm-hmm. Where are my jokes? Yeah. Where is my funny Joss Whedon speak? Throw a goddamn pie. I have 20 minutes left of this shit. The only stuff that has any like humor or real humanity is the stuff with Giles and Jenny. And that's just like a, a little beacon of hope. Breath of fresh air. Thank God and for Jenny. In the sea of taking modems way too seriously, there's at least Ugh. some humanity between their banter. So Dave tells Buffy to meet Willow in the girls' locker room, where Fritz tries to electrocute her. Dave tries to warn her, but she still gets shocked and thrown across the room. Moloch retaliates by writing a suicide note from Dave, and Fritz attacks him. Yeah, and this is a cool concept. I think it could. There are a lot of ways you could have made this scene better too. Where uh, I think having the two computer voices doesn't work. I think it would have been a lot creepier to just see it get typed out. Yeah, the letter. Or it, another way is to do the letter typed out and then have it appear on all the screens. That would be a creepy. That'd thing. be really. Creepy. That's the thing. I'm I'm shocked they didn't use in this episode. There's a lot yeah. of moments where they could have used everything appearing on a bunch of screens in a room. That's a creepy thing, and they yeah. never use it. Giles, Buffy, and Willow figure out that Moloch was scanned into the internet and is controlling Dave and Fritz. After finding Dave hanging in the computer lab, Buffy and Xander go to Willow's house to find her. Giles is left to figure out how to exercise a demon from the internet. Fritz kidnaps Willow to take her to Moloch. Buffy and Xander go to CRD to see if she's there. Giles asks Miss Calendar for help with a spell. But she already knows all about it. What? There's a demon in the internet. I know. <gasps> she's a techno-pagan. Oh, this means that she practices witchcraft, but on the internet? But she's not really a witch because she's not that powerful. That's why she needs the internet. But she's a pagan. She's like a practicing... No. <sighs> I don't, I I don't, don't know. know. They never define it in this episode. So I mean, it, it sounds really cool. It sounds cool. When she said it, yeah. it's like, it sounds neat. Yeah, it sounds neat, but it's... There's nothing to it. And there's also the line, the divine exists in cyberspace, which is just so painfully 90s. Yeah. Referring to something as the divine and using the word cyberspace so freely. Oh, (laughs) cyberspace. So they're going to form a coven online in a chat room. By putting out a flash. I'm sure that was a thing. I'm putting out a flash to my coven. Oh, like putting out an instant message, but that didn't exist. Oh, okay. So a flash. A flash. I'm picturing the superhero just yes. running around the internet. <laughs> Get him. At CRD, Moloch is now a robot. Willow rejects uh, him. 
So I will say the only redeemable thing about this is Alison Hannigan's performance. Yes. It may be ridiculous, but she sells this shit. Yes. And it is shit because that costume is is not scary whatsoever. Why is he a robot? I don't, I mean, I don't think any... And if he has to be a robot, they could have done something else that doesn't just look like a minotaur with circuitry glued to it. You wouldn't do... There's no reason why Robot Moloch has to look anything like Demon Moloch. Yeah. Why would he have horns? If that's just like a vanity thing, then that's not scary. That just makes him look like a like a preening peacock. He's just, oh, I have to look so tough. Give me more weird little knobs and stuff on my head. And that's not scary. Again, if they had just used the costume for the original, if they had to do something to make it more cybery and like put, I don't know, a little piece of metal on that costume, that would have been better even. Ugh. Moloch tries to kill Willow, but just as he's about to snap her neck... Giles' spell goes through. Mm-hmm. He's out of the internet, but not in the book. Instead, he's in the robot. Why is he not in the book? Does that make sense to you, why the spell didn't work? I mean, I from what I understand is the spell is to take him away from his regular form and, and bind him. So I guess they bind him in the robot. Although, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense that it would go to the robot, I think maybe just somehow doing a spell over the internet doesn't work properly. Maybe there's a bad connection. The DSL is slow. Oh, no. DSL didn't exist. (laughs) Willow gives Moloch a whooping with a fire extinguisher, which I appreciated her Mm. doing. I just like Alison Hannigan and everything she does. As he's about to deal the final blow to Buffy, she ducks, causing him to punch an electrical box and short circuit slash explode. Yeah, which is such a cliched way to kill something. It's in every bad superhero cartoon and comic book where it's there's this big thing that's too big for me to take out, but there's this conveniently placed electrical box that anytime somebody hits it, electrocutes them to death. Which is uh, kind of It'd be cooler if this was a fake out and it actually like gave him more power because yeah. now he got a surge of energy. I've also seen mm-hmm. that done to death, yeah. but at least less so than just Yeah, at least forward. that's raising the stakes rather than immediately killing this thing that's supposed to be so bad. And I also feel like him crashing through the wall looks way too much like the Kool-Aid man. <laughs> oh yeah! I'm Malik! <laughs> and just the music at the end here is awful too. It just sounds like a bunch of Nintendo farts. It's gross. <laughs> It's like <laughs> it's not scary. It's just, this this ending really. Not that the episode would have been great if they had had nailed the landing more, but at least would have been not clearly like the worst episode. The worst. Ugh, just so bad. The next day at school, Giles visits Ms. Calendar in the computer lab. She asks him what about computers bothers him so much. Giles says that he doesn't like their lack of smell. So this speech actually hits home for me. Yes, I love I, this speech. I have my e-reader right next to me. Mm-hmm. Our listeners can't see it, but it actually has a Buffy cover. Yep. I don't like it. No. Like, I have an e-reader. I do use it. I much prefer physical books. Yes. I really do. To me, it's not about the smell. It has nothing to do with odor. But just that I sit at a screen all day. My mm-hmm. eyes hurt. Yeah. I just enjoy having a few minutes of something that doesn't light up and shine at me. Mm-hmm. And just holding on to it. Yeah, I, I do agree with Giles' assertion. Not so much about the smell, although I do love the smell of a nice old book. But just that I feel like I connect with things more and I get knowledge better from them if it's in a physical copy of a book. Yeah. Um, you can learn stuff from a screen and it's great to be able to look up anything you want to online. But without that, the grittiness of it, it's harder to maintain. 
I also, so I, I'm a very visual person. I'm a visual mm-hmm. learner. I actually, back when I was in school, I would doodle in the margins of my notes mm. and I would memorize my notes based on the doodle that was next to it. Not on oh. purpose. It just but ended up, just how it, I remember yeah. being like, oh yeah, that's, this was next to the picture of the grandfather clock. So mm-hmm. I'm, the, oh yeah, now I remember what it says. My problem with an e-reader is that every page looks the same. Exactly. There's something about, it just doesn't, my mind wanders, I can't mm-hmm. focus and I'm not going to retain the information I read on it. Yeah, exactly. Everything being on the same screen makes everything the same value and there's different things that i've heard and read about where knowledge it's easier to retain things the the more different they are and the more of an impact they make in your brain that's why when you sleep a lot of things kind of fade out and the things that are more different are the things that that stay with you and if everything is coming in the same exact way in this one screen then it's harder to remember any of it because it's all kind of the same essentially i also just really like watching my bookmark get further and further into the book Mm -hmm. i just it's really satisfying yeah Yeah. as opposed to just looking at uh 50 of 205 yeah oh i'm 58% done with it yeah that's not nearly as cool seems like work (laughs) willow is still recovering from her experience with online dating buffy reminds her of her love of a vampire xander reminds them of his affair with the praying mantis woman (laughs) they all laugh that they are doomed when it comes to love and as the reality of that sentiment sentiment hits home the credits roll i like this scene this is cute it's adorable and it just goes to show you like this show has such like a great cast and some of the writing is really good but when something doesn't work, it's uh, such a bummer because these last two scenes were great. Yes. And it's one of those charming moments where they're kind of self-reflective uh, in realizing how messed up their lives are. And that's really adorable. If only there wasn't a shitty robot five minutes before. I think this episode is proof that the characters in Buffy hit home for us so much mm-hmm. and are so beloved and are so real to us that we will sit through I Robot You, Jane. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Any right-minded person, the first time they watched this would have been the last time, but it's no. I love my my Giles and my Willow and my Buffy and my Xander and now my Jenny. She's in here now, and I, I want to watch this to get those little nuggets of gold in this sea of really unentertaining 90s computer nonsense. So what's the lesson in I, Robot You, Jane? Hmm. The person you're chatting with. Could be anyone, so yeah. be careful. It's not, I think, mm-hmm. a very profound or creative yeah. lesson, but it's true. And I think the lesson they should have had, and I feel like they naturally were leading up to and then didn't really follow through on, is the balance between a new technology and the old way of doing things with Jenny and Giles, which yeah. later they kind of touch on with them getting into a relationship and kind of navigating that. But the episode doesn't do a good job of, it just seems like, oh, we're, we're both in our corners and if anything, I guess Giles won, but not really, because they're both kind of sticking to their guns. But they needed the online coven. Yeah. It, so not really. I I think there's a lot of things, as we previously talked about, that could have been said in this episode. Again, such as mm-hmm. the emotional and mental manipulation that you can go through in a relationship. If yeah. someone segregates you from your friends mm-hmm. and your family and your loved one, that can be dangerous. you got to watch yeah. out for that. And another alternate version of this episode is, is if it had been more about, like, the cult behind Malek and that Willow kind of becomes part of that cult. That would have been really cool. Yeah. And it's just another missed opportunity. This this episode is nothing but missed opportunities. Yeah. And a couple of decent scenes with the actors we really like. So, 
I'm going to say, I think this is the worst episode of the series. Definitely of the season. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think of the whole series. I I really can't argue with you. There's... Like, th- there are some stinkers. I love Buffy. But there yeah. are some swings and misses. This, I think, is the widest miss. Yeah. The only thing I'm tempted to, to not do it is because it introduces a character I like, and that's the smell scene. But that that's not enough to redeem no. every other problem in this episode. I think if it had more of a sense of humor about itself, if it yeah. didn't take the, all this stuff so seriously, I might be able to chuckle at it. But I can't chuckle at it. I can no. only roll my eyes and check my watch of, is it over yet? And you can't take yourself this seriously when there's nothing scary or interesting about what you're saying. Yeah. It's, ugh. Yeah, I, I, I don't think you're wrong there. I think this may be the worst episode of the series. Is there anything else you'd like to say about iRobot you, Jane? Uh, well, only one very nerdy thing. Yes, do it. Uh, is uh, In my research, I found out there's actually two things behind Moloch's name, two kind of uh, different meetings. Meetings, not meetings. He's not going to any meetings. He might be an alcoholic. I don't know. But Moloch refers to both a traditional Hebrew demon. So there actually is oh. a historic legend or myth about a demon named Moloch. But there's also a computer term in the, uh, I believe it's the C-based language, called M-A-L-L-O-C, which I'm assuming you usually pronounce Moloch, which stands for Memory Allocate. So it's kind of a a nice little double uh, thing there. I like that it it works for both. I wish that the computer term meant something to this episode. Yeah. It just seems like it happens to be something that us also... Well, it just mean like if Moloch the demon had something to do with memory. That mm. would be like, ooh. Yeah, he's he's both. Oh, I think that was... It was really just an Easter egg for really, really big nerds. Sure. So that's why I found it. Now it's time to celebrate Buffy's badassery <laughs> with this week's Slay of the Week. Okay, so I, I'm afraid that this might be the same one for both of us. because I, I, really, I think so. This is another low kill count. Yeah, there's not that many kills. And in the second episode, it's all just Malik going with somebody's neck. And that's <laughs> that's not... It's kind of cool once. And the fact that they keep doing it, it's not cool uh, in the end. But I'd say it would have to be, for me, Angel killing Darla. Same. Yeah. Yay, we agreed for the first time. Yay. Yay. It's just, it's the end of a really cool fight scene, but more importantly, it's such an important moment. In the early Buffy, it's fairly important that it's uh, Angel really affirming his stances. I'm on the side of the angels, so to speak. Uh, But if you look in the wider scope of Angel's story over Angel and Buffy, it's a huge moment in his character's evolution. It's just amazing, like almost mind-boggling when you think about what that had to mean to Angel and mm-hmm. Darla yeah. in that moment. Yeah. And again, the fact that nobody knew that at this point, but it still works. And yeah, and they sell it enough because I think they, they just trusted enough that we know we have to have a lot of history. We should make this be as momentous as we can be. And maybe not even knowing that they were going to revisit this because... I think there's a good chance Julie Benz thought, oh, this is the last time I'm yeah. doing this show ever. Absolutely. I also think this brings to mind to me, you know, in the future, obviously, she's going to come back and we get all these flashback scenes. Whosever job it is to make sure that they don't um, contradict something they said on a future episode. Yeah. 
bravo to them. Because, yeah. I mean, granted, kimonos versus Boxer Rebellion. But that's, that's very easily it's a, a thing the character could say. And it sounds, it's more of a good quote to say. And the last time it was kimonos, the last time it was hanfu. You know what hanfu are, right? Yeah, but, nobody would yeah. know what that was. Yeah. But it, they really do such a good job of being like, oh my god, all of it fits. They mentioned that mm-hmm. back in season yeah. one. And, you know... Darla will say Angel in the same really sad voice again, and it will just tear me to pieces. Well, and I think it's it's something that speaks to the fact that Buffy and Angel both seem to be made by one of the first generations of TV people to grow up on TV and grow up on nerdy TV. Yeah. That it's, it's kind of like your J.J. Abrams, your Joss Whedon's. There's people that are raised on this nerdy stuff and love the minutia of it, love the little details, love the making of, love the references to other movies. And they love it so much. They're so nerdy that they can't help but make their their shows uh, peeling in that nerdy way and uh, intricate in that nerdy way. Absolutely. Uh, so one thing I would like to do before we close out is go over the international titles. Yes! And there are some good ones. I will go uh, out of order here because I think by far my favorite one is for Angel. Okay. So I'll start off with I, Robot, You, Jane, which some of them kind of make sense. French is just Moloch. I guess maybe they know who Moloch is over there more. Finnish, I love. I think it's a very clever title. You've got mail. Ah, It's adorable. Uh, and then German, because German has some of the funkiest titles. It's just Computer Demon. <laughs> very literal. <laughs> yes, Computer Demon. Uh, <laughs> the most literal title. And then Angel. In French, it's Alias Angelus. So a little bit oh, deeper into the backstory there. I like there. that. Finnish gets a little sillier. Angel of Doom. It's a little... But also my f- kind of inaccurate when you think... Yeah. I, I mean, I guess it's kind of a fake-out title. Uh. But my favorite... T- possibly my favorite international title yet is the German title, which is Angel Dash Bloody Kisses. Gross. not happen. It is just the gross image of blood coming out of my lips. Like, that's... It's not a scary image. It's just Germans. I mean, expect anything less from the Germans. Hey, I'm German. Thank you for tuning in to the Sunnydale Stacks. Please like us on Facebook and Twitter at Sunnydale Stacks to ask us questions or share your own opinions and memories about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Subscribe on iTunes and join us next time when we dust off the puppet show and nightmares when we get lost in the Sunnydale Stacks.